Hello and good morning. Oh dear God. Hello and good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Um, <laughs> look at me. I'm finally using this podcast thing to its advantage. But anyways, so what I've decided to start out this channel, I suppose you would call it, is just to talk about something that I really think should have a bit more light on, and that's these um, manga series, if you would. Some of them are extremely short, and some of them are just just a single book. I'll only be going over three, just because I I don't want to take up too much of your time. Fair enough. Even if that... Oh god. Sorry if I ramble off. That's just how I am. Um, but... I'm just gonna talk about these because I think that they deserve a bit more recognition than they have or that I think that they have and if I'm wrong definitely tell me so if it's not as popular as I think it is because just from my personal experience I haven't heard a lot of people talk about these series and when I mention them people don't know what they are and so I kind of get a bit you know disheartened and I'm trying to spread you know, these good series around, because they're actually genuinely good, if you're open to just about anything, you know. It's, they're from all over the genres, and the three that I'm going to be going over is... I think I'm gonna start the discussion on the one that I love the most, and then go from the one that I love the most to just down the list. So, the one that I would 100% recommend if you're into the fantasy genre or stuff like... If you're into stuff like, is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? Or, um... I guess that that one one that's where it's like, uh, that one time that I got re- Remember that time I got reincarnated as a slime? Or whatever that is. Uh, if you like those types of things, then this is definitely something I think you should check out. Especially if you're into the sort of, I guess, D&D-esque sort of genre of manga and anime. It's not an anime, but I really hope that one day it will become popular enough to be made into an anime. Because the style is very, very pretty. And it's honestly really good story-wise as well. And it's basically, sorry, it's called Sorry for My Familiar if I haven't already stated that, but it's, um, it's basically a story about this, it's, I don't know how to describe it, it's about this demon realm where these mostly human but also not human looking demons live in a separate realm that is close to humans and they the demons in this realm have familiars usually other types of demons that are strong or other types of demons that are you know used for fighting or what their you know their life thing is and it's just it's i can't i'm really bad at describing this as you can tell but um it's just sort of it's very just laid back until you know we find out that our main character penny i think is her name yeah penny if i'm wrong i'm sorry i have the book beside me but i don't have the first one i have the newest edition that i can buy and 
it's Penny and, um, what's his face? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, let me find him. Ah, it's Norman. Yeah, no. His, and then it's Norman. So it's Penny, and she's this kind of lower class demon who's got these really valuable crystal horns, which I guess is extremely rare. Yeah, no, she has these crystal horns that she gets from her father, and she has claimed a human as her familiar to help her find her dad. Because her dad has been warranted for, like, full realm warrant for his arrest and for his capture, because I think he's done something wrong. I can't really remember, but I don't think it was anything good. And so the entire storyline just follows Penny and Norman as they, and the antics that ensue with them trying to find her dad. And spoiler alert, they do come into contact with him, with Penny's dad, but then he teleports them back to the mainland and it's like, ugh. It's like they have to start all over again. And so, especially since, like, it took, like, three whole books to finally find him. And even then, like, it's sort of like, yeah, I understand. I get why the plot had to do that. But, sorry. But what I really love about this story is the characters. Because Penny is this very Luke Toast. Is it Luctose? Yeah, it's Luctose, isn't it? Very, very... No, it's not Luctose, it's Milktose. She's a very Milktose person. For those of you who aren't, you know, aware of what Milktose means. It's somebody who isn't very strong, confidence, or, like, grit-wise. And so they're kind of not taken seriously, or they're seen as a bit of a wuss because they're just not very... Um... It's just not very, like, powerful in demeanor-wise. And, yeah, no, she's very milk toast, and she's she's definitely, like, a very childish, you know, main character. But that's because she basically is, like, 11. I don't really know how old she is, but she's definitely very, very young. And it's just the personality that she has is just, she's just this poor girl trying to find her dad and trying to bring him home just so that she can have a normal life and then there's her familiar Norman and Jesus Christ could it get any less like weird because basically Norman's personality can be summed up to that one character that is dumb of ass but big of heart because Norman's whole thing is that he is extremely obsessed with demons. Like, he wants to find out all about them, he wants to record all the data that he can off of them, he wants to poke and prod and, you know, tear open and possibly even maim these demons. And in this aspect, he unintentionally, like, makes it so that he puts fear into any and all demon that he comes into contact with and it's just it's this fact that we as the reader know that Norman is not out for blood he's out for research he's out for you know information but then the demons that he's poking and prodding and stabbing at see him as this terrifying war 
general who's known for torturing and just ultimately, like, completely decimating, like, these fucking, these demons, and it's just like, it's funny watching what Norman does in the story, and what he does to pursue his desire for knowledge about demons and demon culture and stuff like that and it's one of the reasons that one of the subplots happen in one of the i think it's maybe the fourth or third volume in the series there's only five out to my knowledge i only have five and this is me going off of my books a million publish or or their stock that they have and that's just (laughs) it's Honestly, like, it's a good series, and I'm probably not doing it any credit by talking about it in such a mundane way, but it it really does. It deserves a bit more recognition. And, of course, they have a bunch of side plot characters that join them on their quest to find Penny's father, and it's just, it's a really endearing and heartwarming series, especially if you want just a nice, short, sweet little read that isn't, you know, like incredibly long but is incredibly short either that's satisfying to read in just one sitting and you can be like okay that's pretty good i'll remember that and then you can set it down and you can walk away and that's what i really like about it is that you can literally read it and it's such a unique and memorable plot line and characters and stuff like that that i can read two or three of the of the little books and I can drop it because there's no more the publisher I don't have any at the stock in the books a million that I go to and then I can you know wait a couple months and then come back and there'll be a a new a brand new sort of you know a brand new episode if you would say or a brand new addition to the series in book form and it's just uh, pardon me Ugh, sickness. Anyways, it's just... I can't remember what I was saying. But it's it's sort of just... It's nice to be able to remember the plotline so well. And then just not being able to really forget it. So that even when I can't really remember what happened last time. It does a good job of being able to jog your memory. And not be extremely plot relied on like you don't have to reread the entire series to understand what's happening in the new book like the new book sort of is its own little plot point and it has its own beginning middle and end and you don't have to like think or you don't have to think back and you don't have to read back and you don't have to check anything to sort of just know what's going on in the story but that's that's really that's what I really like about it is that it's a pick me it's just a little pick me up story. Pick you can pick it up, you can read it and then you can put it down and then you can walk away. And that's what I really really like about it. Okay, the next God, I'm really bad at transitions, but I think this should lead into my next favorite one which also has a really oh, absolutely beautiful freaking art style and coloring style and it is this it's a pretty thick book i would say it's heavy as all get out it's at least half a pound but it's about nearly an inch think think thick it's 
And the great part about it is, is that all of the pages are colored. Each and every single one of, I think, probably like maybe 200 pages is colored. And it's called uh, Milky Way Hitchhiking, and it follows this cat called Milky Way. And the reason that her name is Milky Way is because sh her pelt, she's a cat. Yeah, I got him all over the place, aren't I? Sorry, excuse my ADD, but she's this cat, and the reason that her name is Milky Way, i.e. Milky Way Hitchhiking, the reason that her name is Milky Way is because her fur looks like the starry night sky, or it looks like, you know, how the Milky Way galaxy looks from a telescope or from a photo. And it basically follows Milky Way as she goes through these different plot lines and how these plot lines connect and are brought together and brought to a finish because of Milky Way's ability to inhibit the story. And one of my, personally one of my favorites out of the entire little book, because there's like three or four little plot lines, and they each have a different, you know, beginning, middle, and end, and they all have a distinct, you know, storyline that is not connected to the others, but the only thing that's really connecting them is how Milky Way is always present, and how Milky Way always helps out the character in the story that is struggling, and how she gives them advice, or she will be there to, you know, be like a guiding light, and how Milky Way will be there for these, for the duration of the story, and how she pops up from everywhere and is one of the leading plot lines that is like a caregiver in one of the stories but i think pardon me i think one of my favorite um plot lines or one of the favorite storylines of mine from the book is i think i'd have to say the one that i can remember off the top of my head which is really really awesome and it's honestly like it it brings a whole new spin onto the whole wish giving thing and it's this cat it's this black cat and the black cat wants to show his thankfulness to his owner for taking him in off the streets because this black cat I can't remember it's I can't remember the cat's name at the moment but here if I can double if I can multitask um the cat basically wants to thank oh the cat's name is Sarah yeah yeah the cat's name is Sarah but it's a guy yeah no the cat Sarah wants to give his or er, yeah wants to give his master slash the person who saved him a gift he wants to do something nice for the dude who took him in and this kid is like a rich kid like he has a posh lifestyle he doesn't have to worry about anything he's just doing his thing and he's there and he this i guess this kid saved him out of pity because what was basically happening to sarah is that they live in this kind of shitty part of town i guess or sarah was stalking around and living in a shitty part of town where these kids would capture or you know pin sarah down and tape a firecracker to her tail or his tail and then light the firecracker and then watch sarah freak out and so one day this kid finally beat the shit out of the kids who were tormenting Sarah and took Sarah into his home and so Sarah has tried to show his appreciation for 
being saved and for being taken care of by doing the, you know, the normal cat thing that normal cats do. And for those of you who don't own cats that are able to go outside and are able to hunt, is that cats show their appreciation for you, or they show that you are a part of their family by giving you gifts in the form of dead animals. Like, what I have two outdoor cats and sometimes I'll come home to a dead mouse with its head ripped off and I'll be like okay thanks cat and then I'll walk inside and I'll go about my business and that's basically what Sarah does is he's he tries to kill a cockroach he tries to kill a bird he tries to kill mouse and rats and each time he doesn't feel like his gratitude is being shown enough and so when milky way finally shows up sarah asks milky way to be him for a day so that sarah can be transformed into a human go out and buy something for his master come back give it to him and then transform back into a kitty and what ends up happening is that's exactly what happens is that Milky Way is convinced to turn or to pretend to be Sarah for a day while Sarah is transformed into this little guy like an actual human and before this happens Sarah asks his master because Milky Way told him that if he talks to a human as they're falling asleep like in as you know when you're in that little like dreary kind of half awake half not awake a cat can talk to a human and so that's when Sarah talks to him and I think he asks what his favorite color is and he says that his favorite color or if he wants anything yeah no I think he asked if he wants anything from him or if he can get him anything and the kid is like no you don't have to do anything you don't have to do that for me I don't I don't really have anything that I want. There's nothing that you can give me. And so, you know, Sarah's a bit disheartened by this, but he still goes through with the transformation of becoming a human. And what he ends up doing, what Sarah ends up doing, is he goes to this ribbon shop, and he's like, I want to get a beautiful ribbon. And so, you know, the lady at the ribbon shop shows him these blue and this brown and this yellow ribbon until Sarah finally picks a purple one. Sorry. Sorry if I'm like blowing into the mic and that's causing ear rape. I really don't mean that to happen. But what happens is, is that the lady tells Sarah that purple is a representation of mysterious, of like mystery and magic. And it's also a color of like royalty and also loyalty. That rhymed. It it's like a color of mystery mis- blah, 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 blah. pardon my bad english it's like a color of mystery and devotion and sarah decides to get that and so what he does is he goes he buys the ribbon and then he goes back to his master and then he places it you know he finds where his master is sleeping and then Sarah kind of settles down in his human form, placing the ribbon in the book that he and the that the kid blah, 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 placing the ribbon that he bought for the kid in the book that the kid was reading, and then falling asleep and transforming back to a cat. In which the end of the story is is that the kid wakes up, sees the ribbon, sees Sarah, realizes that Sarah was the one who bought the ribbon, 
and I think he ties it around Sarah's neck as sort of like a collar slash thank you I appreciate it and the last scene is him smiling and cuddling Sarah and I like I'm really not doing this story any justice like you really have to sort of like look it up and try and find it because it's honestly worth the read like it's it's really really beautiful and the coloring and the way that the story is presented is absolutely beautiful and I just like I love it more than anything I think it's absolutely amazing and it's just the stories that come from this book are standalone stories and they're you know intertwined and intermingled with every other story and it's just it's just a really awesome sort of you sit down and you read this in like a car or you read this while you're waiting for something or you read this on the metro or or you're sitting at home and you just want to read something that's really good that has multiple stories that you can follow along with and it's not a difficult read at all it's not like a Stephen King book where it's hella thick and you have to read it a couple times to understand it no it's in this very simplistic sort of easily understandable easily readable easily you can just follow along with it you can see the thought process and you can see the story development and then at the same time it cuts off and it starts a new storyline so it's just sort of like a whole all of the storylines begin and then you read how they you know kind of go down and then you read how they end and it's really really awesome i honestly i like i don't know how to really put the greatness and the goodness of how this story is into words i just i don't know if i possibly could it's just like you really have to read it and you have to be able to see it and hold it in your hands and read the back and you know read the description on the back and be like able to just uh, pardon and be able to just deduct if you want to read it or not and just <laughs> it's yeah here I'll read you the I'll read you the back of the book and it says this is what it says. There are as many people on Earth as there are stars in the sky. Milky Way, a peculiar cat with a pattern of the Milky Way splashed across her back, travels across time and space, sometimes to observe, other times to interact with an unfolding story. From Spiral, the creator of One Fine Day, comes the full-color tale of Milky Way hitchhiking across the bright stars of people's lives, loves, tears, and laughter. God, my nose is clogging up. But it's, you really, it's honestly so much better than it portrays itself to be. And I would 100% recommend it if you're into that sort of storytelling. Like, 100% read it if you're into that sort of thing. Now, my last thing that I want to talk about, give me a hot second. Here, give me, I gotta blow my nose. I don't want anybody to hear that, so give me a hot second. So I'm back. Anyways, so this last bit is sort of just this. Honestly, it's kind of hard to describe, but the story is pretty well-rounded and is quite well 
interest it's like on a scale of one to ten i definitely placed this story at like a solid seven six and a half and it's called frau faust and it's follows this story it follows the fictional historical fictional uh, par- sorry it follows it's basically oh, sorry my words are just not coming with me today it follows the story of the fictional or the historically accurate Dr. Faust, but it's a fictional retelling of what actually happened to Faust. I think Faust is an actual person? Don't count me on that. I'm not 100% sure. But this is basically set in, like, I would say probably mid-1800s Europe. It's definitely set somewhere near Germany, because it's they sometimes do speak a Germanic language in the manga, but it's more like just like good morning and good afternoon and hello and stuff like that. It's that extremely complicated stuff. It's mostly just like basic, anybody can really look at it and figure out what the hell it says. But the story, yeah, it basically, it follows this kid who accidentally ends up finding out, seeing, and eventually and inevitably following this false doctor woman who has made a deal with the demon, with, I think, yeah, it's a demon and his name is, uh, yeah, her name, the fucking pardon my ADD, it's this woman based off of the actual Foss, but her name is Johanna Faust, and the kid's name is Marion, but basically what happens is, is that he, Johanna is trying to piece together her demon that she had made a deal with after she had realized that she wanted to become a researcher and a producer of new science because of course this is 18th century Germany so if you're caught doing anything remotely magical or scientifical the church thinks you're a witch and you're gonna get burned at the stake and basically Oh god, I'm horrible at this. But what happens is it's just Faust and Marion and how Marion follows her around as she tries to not get him killed but also put her demon back together. And her demon is it's I think it's Michelangelo, not Michelangelo, but it's I can't remember what it what the name of the demon is. I have the book right here, so pardon me if I go quiet for a solid couple seconds, but basically this demon and Faust have this deal that for however long that she wants to, however long that she wants to uh, go after knowledge and as long as she wants to get new knowledge and find new things and use him use i think his name is mephisto mephisto wait no not no that's not mephisto i can't remember like i dead ass can't remember 
but it's definitely said in here and but oh sorry it it, it is basically Faust trying to re-piece together her demon that she made a deal with to basically help her be immortal but in a way where she can be immortal and do research and the way that it sort of works and the way that it sort of ends up being is it becomes this sort of um relationship where Marion is following Faust because Faust is teaching Marion and is educating Marion and is giving him a brighter outlook and is making him a smarter individual and even though Marion isn't really into all the sciencey stuff and doesn't eventually at the end of the series become like a scientist like Faust he does like really take into heart and really does put into work everything that Faust teaches him throughout the story and as we follow Faust trying to keep Marion alive and to also piece back together her demon which she needs to have together in order to truly be immortal and continue her research it they sort of meet all these different people and go through all these different plot points and not really plot points but subplot points like they face off with a inquisitor and how this inquisitor has a sidekick and how their relationship becomes a part of their uh them being together and their interactions and how slowly but surely the inquisitor realizes that Faust isn't in the wrong for wanting to be knowledgeable and wanting to have knowledge and to be smarter and to make a better future and to create things and it just it's that's one of the subplots is that the inquisitor and his sidekick slowly start to realize that Faust isn't bad it's just that the church makes them out to be horrible people and that the church is actually worse than what Faust is doing because one of the main plot points spoiler warning is that the church is using the demon blood that is dripping off of the body parts that they have severed from Faust's demon and the reason that the her that she's piecing back her demon is because they realize that Faust is powerless if she doesn't have her sidekick demon and so they cut him into seven pieces and spread him across all the churches and she has most of the pieces at the beginning of the story she's missing both of his arms his head and I think one of his legs and by the end of the story she has his other leg his other arm and is just missing an, a head and an arm and yeah no so the church has been using the severed body part that's bleeding to heal and give the uh, main priestess not the main priest like what the Pope yeah to give the Pope's daughter uh, like basically in a healing elixir because she has a very I guess she has like a tuberculosis or something or she has something that's going to kill her if she doesn't 
you know, find a cure if she doesn't drink the demon blood, and so the Pope made her drink the demon blood, so now she is a demon, and that becomes a plot point when Foss tries to reclaim that body part, and then the girl goes batshit crazy because you can't take away that body part that's literally keeping the Pope's daughter alive, and one of the side priests who is, I think, also a demon? One of the side priestesses who is a demon protects the Pope's daughter, and her and Foss have a showdown. Of course Foss wins, and they end up killing the Pope's daughter because they tell the Pope that a dead daughter is dead is a dead daughter is better than a demon daughter, and that's the end of it. And another thing that also happens that is a reason that the Inquisitors are sort of against her, against Faust in the beginning, is that Faust is an alchemist, of course. She's a science and a Wicca person. And so what she did is that she was able to uh, scientifically recreate, scientifically create life. And I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's, you've probably heard of it if you've ever been into D&D or if you've ever been into something very similar, or if you've ever even really watched, like, even a slightly scientific show, you've probably heard them talk about what it is, but it's this artificial life form that they have to keep in, like, this placenta water, and Foss creates this thing she creates her basically her daughter and what she does is she creates this full or she has somebody else create this entire doll body that has to be kept in shape and has to be you know constantly made sure that it's not falling apart but she has to she basically makes this little alchemy baby a whole ass body and the girl is very well and she can speak and she can talk and she's very good at you know keeping the whole the fact that she's not actually human she's actually a doll sort of thing under wraps and of course uh this little alchemy baby in the wooden in the doll body is very very pretty and so she's constantly being asked to be courted but she has to always turn them down because she's not actually human so she can't have children or anything and so, a little subplot is that they have to get some of the daughter's body parts, you know, renewed because they're getting creaky and she's not, and she's losing mobility. And that just, it's one of the little things where it's, it's sort of like a break from the main plot point, but it's still a little bit, like, tense and hype, but it's not as tense and hype as it could possibly be. And this is a completely start-to-finish series. Fro Faust is. Fro is spelled Frau. It, it's the word for female, or the, I think the formal word for a woman, and it's spelled F-R-A-U, and then it's Faust, like how it spells, like how it sounds, god, I'm horrible at English, how it sounds, and it's F-A-U-S-T, um, and it's, it's just, and, well, sorry to get off track, my brain is not working, but it's basically just this, the way that the story ends, sorry to just be jumping around 
crazily like this. I'm horrible at keeping track of my thought, but what ends up happening at the end of the series is that we find out kind of near the middle slash the end of the series that Faust is immortal, but at the expense of if she has any extreme bodily harm, like things that can't be healed within like the immediate future, her body will just shed that entire layer of age, and she will basically de-age. And so, when she started out with the deal when she was younger, and then when she started the deal out when she was younger, she was, you know, full health, and then as she had been, I guess, shot, or burned, or broken, or trampled, her body slowly began to shrink and become more childlike, as her mind remained the same, but her body is de-aging as she, you know, stays and becomes more immortal. And that's sort of how he made her immortal, is that she's immortal, but at the expense of her body. And so it becomes this sort of thing where she needs to fight and fend for herself, but at the same time, Foss needs to watch out and not give herself too much of a bodily harm, or else she will literally de-age into a toddler, and then do a baby, and then do a fetus, and then eventually poof out of existence altogether. And so what that ends up happening at the end of the story, spoiler alert, is that at the end battle with the Pope's daughter, slash the demon that protects the Pope's daughter, is that Faust is gravely injured. And she sort of plays it off as she's at her last life, this is the end for her, she's going to die, and so she sort of does. She sort of just kind of fades into dust, and everybody thinks that she's dead. And if you can see straight through this plot line, then you can 100% be like, she's not fucking dead. She can't be dead yet. There's at least another 30 pages left in this book. And so, what we find out at the end is that she did die, but it wasn't in like a final death sort of way. It's in that sort of where she dies and her body is shed, but she respawns like a video game character. She just looks younger. And so the end of the book ends with her demon saying, you are a truly unique human with your cruelty of doing that to them. And it just goes to Faust as she sort of smiles. And you can sort of understand why Faust did that. Because throughout the entire book, Faust is constantly telling Marion, hey, go back home. Go back to your village. Go back to your life. You really do not want to be a part of my hot mess. And Marion is constantly like, but you've shown me all these great things and I've been able to finally be free and be able to do things with my life. I think I should continue following you to better myself and not really to better you. And so Foss just kind of eventually gives up. And so her sort of faking her death is sort of her releasing herself from the burdens of having to constantly keep in check and having to constantly worry her loved ones like her friends and her colleagues and Marion and so it's sort of her way of killing them off of her storyline or you know severing them from her life as she in her self-ish pursuit of knowledge 
kills herself off in their minds so that she can continue doing what she wants to do and not worry about hurting them or concerning them or making them worried or putting any of them in danger. And so yeah, that's the three series that I, honest to God, really think deserve more recognition because they're really... They're good in their own ways. If you're into that sort of genre, each of the uh, each of their genres, if you're sort of into that sort of thing, and if you want to have, you know, that sort of thing in your inventory and be able to say that you've read something like that, they're definitely good sort of conversational starters. Like, if you ever just need something to sort of get a conversation going and to be able to just talk about, then these are definitely good conversation starters, like 100%. And even if you don't want to read them for conversation starters, they're still absolutely amazing series, and I would 100% recommend them to anybody who is interested or wants to read them, or even just wants to, you know, check them out. And even though I spoiled some of the major plot lines of these books, Reading really is a lot better than hearing about it. Like, you can hear all about it, but I definitely recommend that you shouldn't just go off of what I say. And that you should definitely go out and read it and form your own opinions and speculate and make your own sort of ideas and theories about these series. Ooh, that rhymed. But this has just been a new podcast. Hooray! Um... I don't really have an upload schedule at the moment. I'm kind of just baking these as I feel fit, so I might make a couple of them in a day. Who knows? But I'm sorry if, like, you don't want to put up with me puffing into the mic. I really have to get better about that, and I will figure out a si- si- I will figure out a solution to it eventually. And honestly, if you've stuck around this long, give me a follow because I'll. Give me a follow and send me sort of things or opinions or anything that you would like me to go over if you've listened this far and you want me to, you know, continue talking. Um, if you enjoy my voice and you think I'm, you know, worth another listening to, I'm probably going to be planning on putting my D&D campaign on here and probably also my playthrough of a couple Pokemon games and I might even do a voice through of me playing uh, Ace Attorney and possibly evil, even Animal Crossing. Unfortunately, I would love to make a YouTube channel, but I don't have that sort of editing software and I don't really want that sort of commitment. Podcasts are just a lot easier. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you are interested in seeing, or if you're interested in hearing me do those sorts of things, or if you want me to talk about something that, you know, you are 100% dedicated on listening to, then send me a message or send me um, anything, really. Just contact me in any way that you can, and I will listen. And I may or may not respond, depends on how I'm feeling, or if it's just a single message that doesn't need a response. Just contact me. I will eventually, if people start to actually listen to these, I will start, you know, saying my Discord and my Instagram and 
stuff like that, where you can follow me and look at me as I go through my crackheadness as an everyday sort of thing. But yeah, thanks for listening. Um, thank you for listening, actually. I really appreciate it. And stick around for more if you're interested. I'm planning on doing another one of these soon. So, thank you. <laughs>